Hello and welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Yippee skippy. It's another new podcast, and today I am talking about I Can Change. Now, the question I have for you, my friend, is do you believe that you can change? And yes, I know you really want to change. There's some aspect of your life. Maybe it's living with less clutter, losing weight, making more money, becoming your own best friend, being confident, being worthy. Whatever it may be, you can change. And I understand all those self-doubts and the self-criticisms and the hopelessness that can transpire, especially as we go through life because I used to be that person. I used to not believe that change was possible for me. In fact, in my late 20s, when I thought it was so old, I thought, well, crap, this is as good as it gets. And it kind of sucks. I didn't even like the movie as good as it gets. I think it was just too close to home for me because I thought, no, it's got to be better. Well, my friend, it can be better. It really, really can. And I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about the steps of how you can change and the decision to make and committing and commitment and why it's so important and belief. I talk a lot about belief and mindset, but believing in yourself. And of course, my favorite word, practice. And then one of the key components in it that will provide you accountability that you can do. So today I was coaching one of my clients and he's so darling and we he was really struggling because I was giving him this tool and we'd been working on it for a few weeks now and he just couldn't see how this was going to work and and how that this was going to transpire in the future to what it was that he wanted in this particular avenue. And he was, he'd been really resisting it and resisting it. And even though he's had all this proof of transformation and so much more intelligence and really liking himself and, you know, not getting... Um, attached to other people's feelings and their their own drudgeries and their own swampland of shame and really having confidence for himself and his work. So he's had all this great success. And here it was, there was this resistance. Of course, that's happening. And all of a sudden, he was looking behind his computer and there was, and I love this idea, I'm going to take it and I invite you to take it. This is fantastic. So he had this board up on the wall and he didn't call it a vision board. I mean, I don't know if guys really call it vision boards, but he had this board on the wall where he had quotes and they were like from Instagram. And many, many, many months ago, I had told him about Byron Katie and she's been a guest on the show. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to go and listen to that show, that episode. But he had some quotes from her and he put that up there. And there was one quote that he read. And I love this one. And I forgot about it, but I love this quote. And it's, it's not your job to like me. It's my job to like me. And for some of you may be like, oh my God, that is awesome. And some of you may be going, seriously, I don't understand that. What are you talking about? 10 months ago, he was there. He didn't understand that. He put it up there. He kept looking at it, kept working on it, kept like, I don't know how engaged he was at it. Today, he understands it. Today, he gets it and he really practices and lives it. And I'm sure at times he struggles with that quote. Sometimes I'm sure he's like, wait, I want other people to like me and then I don't have to do the work, right? We all can have our pity parties. You're all allowed. 
But I give you that in the sense that here is somebody who a year ago was really struggling with changing and he's changed so much. And then he did something like that where it was, and this is something that you can all do. I mean, if you, somebody knows how, I want to make a vision board. If, I wonder if there's like a way that wouldn't it be great, like if Instagram would let you take different people's quotes and create your own little board with it. I guess that's Pinterest, right? Um, but I want to do something like that because there's so many quotes that I really like and I want to put it up on my board that's right here next to the computer for me to just look at. I have a lot of quotes. I've always loved quotes. They're great messages for me to remember. I tend to hang on to certain ones and then I let them go and I bring in other ones. And right now I'm up on my bulletin board. I have this quote. It's from Brene and it says, who we are is how we lead. And I'm so into leadership and how we show up and how we lead our lives both personally and professionally so that you can become the leader of your life. Anyways, so this idea of change, when we think about it, a lot of times it can be overwhelming, it can be daunting, we may not believe that it's possible. But it is possible. And just like he didn't believe it was possible for him a year ago, where he could even understand that quote, and live it, he does now. And so now he's being challenged in another area. And he's now using that as a reminder of, hey, look, this is probably like that. I didn't understand it at first. And now I do. I'm going to take you through this process of changing so that in six months, right, we want to have enough time that we can practice it, screw it up, fall down, get back up. You're going to get messy. That, my friend, is the process of change. I always tell clients who first sign up with me, I say, I am not the fairy godmother. It is not bippity boppity boop. And oh, here you've become Cinderella. And it's so fantastic. No, there's a lot of falling down moments. And even in Cinderella, think about it. She lost her shoe. You know, the stepmother tried to destroy the shoe. The prince had a hard time finding her. But there's always, there are always falling down moments. We must remember that. We want transformation to happen right away. We want change. Like, oh, I read this. I should be able to know this and do it. I should just be able to work hard enough. I should be able to battle it. Battling it is not very effective. We are so much more powerful from a place of love. So the first thing that you must do is make a decision. What is the change that you desire? What is the change that you want to create in your life? Maybe it's about becoming your own best friend. Oftentimes people want to, that work with me, they want to feel enough, be enough, be enough of a human, be enough of a woman, be enough of a a guy, you know, just be enough in their relationships where they can be, come from a place of confidence and love because you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have self-love, you're really limited on what you can give. And the great news is about this is that it's research-backed, so we don't need to argue about whether or not that's true. It's just research-backed. So make a decision about what it is that you want to change. Maybe it can be some years ago, I made a decision that judgment was huge armor and it was weighing me down. It was a great way to protect myself because let me judge you so you stay away from me. (laughs) The problem with that is that I was then disconnected from people that I want to be close to, but I was keeping them away so they couldn't hurt my heart. But then I was hurting because I wasn't connected with the people that I cared about. The other part about judgment is, and how often do you, is this ring belt ring true to you? Oh, let me judge myself before you judge me. That way I'm not going to be a fool. Again, judgment, I had to work on letting that go. 
and letting it go was a practice because it was weighing me down and it was getting in the way of what I really wanted, connection and belonging. I made a decision. I was going to let go of judgment. Doesn't mean that I did it perfectly, but I committed to that decision. When I would notice that I was being judgmental and I was judging others or judging myself, typically in the moment, I didn't catch it. But when upon reflection, I realized, oh, and after a while I started noticing I felt dirty. It didn't feel very good. I felt tense and I kept working on it, kept working on it. So when I made this change, it wasn't that, oh, I make this decision. I know better. I can know the research and I'm going to just execute properly and do it perfectly because we don't, none of us do it perfectly. But what I did was I committed to it and I practiced it. I screwed it up and I allowed myself to screw it up. I was compassionate with this process with myself. And then from there, I reflected and I learned, and I just know now that I'm much better off when I'm not in a place of judgment. There's a difference between judgment and critical thinking. I'm still a critical thinker, but judging, thinking that you should do it this way, I should do it that way, that's often rooted in shame. So you want to commit to your decision, make a decision and then commit to it. And you have to go all in, all in, and really just keep going back because it's easy to commit to it and say, well, let me see if I can, I can let go of this judgment. And if I can't, that's okay. I just won't do it. No, you have to commit to it because you're going to screw it up. So you commit and you commit and you keep going back and you commit and you commit and you commit. Same thing what happens in swimming, right? The kids who want to learn how to swim or want to get better at swimming, they have to commit and be willing to go through difficult times. So it doesn't matter if they're starting out. Usually that's not their opinion because it's usually their parent who says you need to become proficient in swimming. Or maybe they've been successful for a while and then they're they're not doing well. And then that's where it's so important to really continue to commit to the decision, especially if there's a goal that you have. And sometimes like I didn't, as a 15-year-old was, oh, well, maybe I won't commit to swimming. I'm still going to stay in the sport, but at least they're cute boys there. And I kept in there until I could start to believe in myself. So this committing to your decision, you've got to go all in. And here's something that's really important. And I just had a little sneak preview to it when I said, until I believe in myself. You must believe before you can achieve. I'm going to say this again. This is an important concept. You must believe before you can achieve. This is totally counterculture. This is very different than what we've been taught because what we believe is I will achieve to believe. (laughs) Once I achieve this, then of course I can believe, but until then I can't. Do you know how much harder we make it on ourselves to do it that way? It's backwards, my friend. We must believe before we can achieve. And the one thing I have to say is I figured this out at some point in my 20s. I used to tell this to my college athletes all the time, believe to achieve. And I said it so much that one year they made it, they put it on the t-shirts and then they gave me pictures. So believe to achieve, you must believe. And here's the thing that's really important with this, because there's always constraints to the things that I talk about here. It's not just like, oh, the sky's unlimited or believe to achieve and you'll become an Olympian. There are steps along the way. And if you have something that's so out there that you can't even believe or it's, you know, not going to be possible, be careful of that because you then you're going to teach yourself that, oh, I can have this outlandish goal and I'll never achieve it. And then what's the real, which, what is it that you learn? So believe to achieve, believing that I can achieve letting go of judgment, 
what that can be a really big goal. That can be really challenging. But I was like, I'm letting go of judgment. I didn't say that there would never be judgment in my life. So there's a lot of constraint in that and realizing that I'm also not going to do it perfectly. So believe to achieve. It's not achieve to believe. And then the next step is practice. And I love practice. And I know you all want to know, hey, Corinne, I just want the quickest way possible. I want this change to happen. I should know better. You're going to be so motivated in the beginning when you make this decision to change, right? There's all going to be all this hoopla happening. We're hitting towards the end of the year. If you're listening to this soon after it gets dropped, there's going to be all this hoopla, change, 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 and then it dies down and then it becomes ordinary. And then it becomes difficult or there's other distractions, or maybe it's doing it this way, or maybe it's doing it that way, but we have to commit. Years ago, Peter Walsh, who was my buddy for a long time on the show, he'd been on like five or six times. I think he's probably holds the record of how many um, guest appearances he had on the show. So if you don't know who Peter Walsh is, you'll probably remember him. He'd been on the Oprah Winfrey show a bunch of times. He, I think he used to have a column in there. He's the clutter guy. He's Oprah's clutter guy. He had a television show on own. And he's from Australia and I just loved him. And he was great about being on my show. And I was fascinated with him because here was a guy who grew up in Australia and I believe his parents had an eighth grade education and he was one of like six or eight kids. So, you know, family of limited means and not, there weren't connections. And how do you go from there to becoming a person who becomes on Oprah Winfrey stage? Now there's a whole bunch of steps along the way. And here's the thing that he told me. He said, what I've done is I've made a decision. I've committed 100% all in, absolutely committed. Wasn't going to sway, totally committed. 100% totally committed. And then I reevaluated every six months. Now here's the thing. He told me that I think on every show, and I don't think it was till like the fourth or the fifth show that I was like, oh, this is Peter Walsh's secret. This is brilliant. I couldn't even hear it before, even though I was interviewing him and I heard it, but really internalize it in my bones. So when I was going through my own change, my own transformation and trying to believe in myself, I was like, okay, Peter Walsh says, commit for six months, absolutely commit all in. And my brain was so good at indulging in the drama and dress rehearsing tragedy and thinking that I was going to fail and finding all the evidence of how I was going to fail. It was very much a shit show in my brain. I'm like, okay, six months, six months, six months. I'm like, well, I didn't last the day. I'm like, okay, I'm going to just commit for a month, commit for a month. <laughs> Well, that didn't work out too well either. And I kept feeling like a failure. Then I was like, okay, I'll commit to a week. I'll commit to a week. That still didn't work. Finally, I had to say, I'm going to commit to this hour. This hour, I will commit to believing and going all in on this goal. And I'm going to commit. And I committed for that hour. And I committed for the next hour. And I recommitted for the next hour. And then I went to bed, took a break. And the next day I got up and I struggled to commit. And then I got up and I committed for the next hour. Maybe that day I only committed for two hours. And then the next day I committed. And then the next day, and then I was able to commit for a week. And then I was eventually able to commit for a month. And then I was able to commit for two months. And in those commitments, absolutely, there was doubt, there was fear, there were falling down moments. But I kept getting back up. I didn't start over didn't start from scratch. I just got back up 
And that's something that's so important is that when we have falling down moments, when we are working on change, when you use the language, I have a client right now and she said, and she had gained a little bit of weight and she'd said, well, I have to now start over. No, she doesn't have to start over. What she needs to do is just get back up, go back to her commitments of honoring herself and nourishing her body and taking care of herself instead of trying to strong arm it and overcome it, but really taking care of herself. So this commitment and over time, what happens is that commitment just becomes so strong inside of you that you become, you use less brain juice and you continue to practice and you commit. And here's the other thing about committing. When you commit, you commit to the best case scenario. This, my friend, takes courage. This can trigger fear inside of you. And you're going to be brave and afraid at the same time. And it's okay. Because when you commit to the best case scenario, you're right. It may not work out. It absolutely may not. And we are like, oh, no, I'm only committing to the best case scenario when I know and I have the guaranteed outcome that it will work. Well, let me tell you, I had the guaranteed outcome with the job was tenured, guaranteed, I knew the pension, all of that, the benefits, all of that, but I never felt safe. And I also hungered for more. So realizing that we can commit to the best case scenario and we manage risk. And that part's really, really important. So here's an example that I'll use with my clients when it comes to money. So what I do is that if I'm going to choose to buy something, make a purchase and something that, you know, maybe out of the ordinary for us, I will check in and say, okay, if I make this purchase, will this hurt my family? Because that's one of my boundaries. I'm not willing to spend money that's going to hurt my family. I guess before that, it's, you know, do I have the money to be able to make the purchase, right? Because if you want to make the change, and I use this with a client this week, I said, well, it's not like you're going to say, oh, I'm going to go buy Oprah, buy Oprah Winfrey's home in Montecito because my client doesn't have $100 million or $150 million to go and buy the home. So that's not something that she's going to put out there right now, right? But she can commit to certain things. Like if she wants to take that trip to India and that is that going to hurt her family to make a trip like that? And that's something that she can go and look at. So we manage risk and we commit to the best case scenario, always managing the risk part, right? That becomes really important. You commit and then you fall down, you get back up and you commit. Now, this next part is about the accountability. So the accountability isn't about like, oh, you know, you, we check off our homework and did I get all the A's and all that. But the accountability is, again, you're the leader of your life. You're the leader of your life personally and professionally. We're adults, right? So it's about you being accountable to yourself. And so one of the most important processes is to reflect. It is to think about what you have experienced. And this is your accountability practice because you're identifying like, hey, I committed, I went through this week and look at me, yay me. I spent X amount of time reading or three out of the five nights I read, or I got up and I went and worked out or yay me, you know, I put this much money away for savings or yay me, I gave this presentation at work, whatever the circumstance may be, or yay me. I was really vulnerable and asked, <laughs> um, asked my spouse to do something. Right. And it can be as simple as vulnerable. It can be as simple as asking your spouse to unclog the toilet, even when you know how that is vulnerable, but that's a whole nother topic. So going back to this reflection, you know, really taking a look at what is working and looking also at 
What's not working? Here was my hypothesis. Here's what I committed to. Maybe you committed and you said, you know what? I'm going to get up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm going to write. And after the week went on, you never got up at four. Maybe that's really unrealistic expectation. Maybe that's not your prime time. So what can you learn from that? Maybe there's a different time. One of my clients realized like she, as she was trying to figure out a way to be more grounded and she has a busy day and she's a high level executive and she's got her morning swimming in and she's got her yoga in and she sleeps really, really important. And instead of getting up earlier to do some of her grounding work that we do together, she made a decision that when she first goes into the office for the first 15 minutes, while her colleagues may come in and want stuff from her, she's going to give herself a boundary of 15 minutes. Let me just sit down and be with myself, get my day organized, and then I can be of service to my colleagues. And that was really, really important to her because the morning wasn't going to work for her. She knew that she tried it. It didn't work. That is what is learned from a reflective practice. Okay. And one of the keys that's really, really important in this reflective practice Here's one rule. You're not allowed to beat yourself up. Absolutely not allowed to beat yourself up. No beating yourself up. Got it? Because compassion is the biggest motivator for change. Think about it. You're here because I hold this compassionate space for you. My clients come to me because I hold this compassionate space for them. It doesn't mean I'm like, oh, yay, you, you ate three bowls of ice cream and you're still so fantastic because that would be a lie because that's, well, they're fantastic regardless of whether they eat the three bowls of ice cream first off. But if that's in line with their goals, like that's what I used to do, I would hate myself afterwards. I wouldn't feel good. I'd be sluggish. I'd be tired. I wouldn't feel good about it. So that's not yay me, but it's like, hey, let's look at look at that. Why did you eat three bowls of ice cream? Or why did you answer your phone while you were in the middle of working on this deep dive project proposal that you needed to work on, but you decided to answer the phone from another colleague instead of respecting your own boundaries at work? That is a reflective process. You will learn so much more from a place of compassion, which is kindness, than from self-hatred and beating because eventually that just triggers shame and it's a downward spiral. So no beating yourself up aloud. And then here's the next thing. You circle back and you do it all over again. So remember when Peter Walsh was saying he committed for six months? That commitment is also day by day. It can be hour by hour. So when I was trying to commit for six months without having any belief in myself, without having any trust, with breaking all the rules that I'd been programmed about how I was supposed to live my life and really changing that drastically, I had to go back to hour by hour, making the decision, committing to my decision. Once I made the decision, I was pretty much there, but committing to it, believing in myself, believing even when there wasn't any evidence that I was going to be able to achieve it practicing where every day I'm committing, every hour I'm committing to the best case scenario. How often is it like, oh, I could find all the reasons, all the evidence of how it's not going to work. But instead committing to the best case scenario and committing. Man, when I used to do live radio with the show, I was always committed to the best case scenario. You better believe that if I told the guest I was going to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning, I was going to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning. We are going to do that show. It was done. There was no, oh, should we do it? Should we not do it? It was done. I was committed. I showed up. That is how you have a show for, oh my gosh, how many years? 12 years. 
and 600 episodes, you commit to it. And back then I needed the structure of having live radio because it gave me a time frame where I had to do it and I'm so thankful for it. And now I've developed that skill set. It's so practice in my bones that I just know that, hey, I drop a show for you every Friday morning and I get that done ahead of time. I don't need to do it live radio, but it that was the structure I needed. It wasn't that I was weak. It was just that was the structure I needed when I first got started. So you commit to your decision, you go all in, you believe in yourself, you practice and then you reflect. And that's your accountability. And if you have a hard time reflecting with yourself, find a trusted friend or a spouse that you can, that will hold the space for you and not try to fix you, tell you what's wrong, judge you, but hold that space. And oftentimes with our loved ones, they care about us so much, they want to jump in and fix. And it's so funny when my girlfriend does this for me, I'll be sitting on her couch and she'll start to jump in and fix. And I just, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm already, you know, leaned up against the the back of the couch. And I just start to notice that I sink in to the back of the couch. I'm pushing in against the cushions. And as I was saying this, I was already moving away from the mic, which is only going to create audio problems for you. So I'm not doing that, but I move away because she was trying to fix and take away my pain. So sometimes it's really hard for our friends and loved ones to just hold that space to allow us to identify what's working, what's not working. And that's where a coach can come in. But however you can figure that out for yourself, writing is also a great way to reflect. I do a lot of writing and I do a lot of thinking and I'm circling back and I'm thinking about stuff. And I gave myself permission years ago that I can go through an experience. I remember I was talking to Martha Beck about this a long time ago, but I can go through an experience. And I used to think, oh, if I was really intelligent or smart, I would have an answer right away. And oftentimes, and this just happened last week and I was in Phoenix and I was in this conversation and some stuff had been said and there was some stuff that like I kind of shrunk at and I needed to like really internalize it and think about it and how would you respond? The old me would have beat myself up like, seriously, Corinne, you lost your chance. They said this, you could have said that, but you didn't have the right answer. And so you couldn't say anything. And there you go. Again, lots of judgment in that, right? And lots of criticism. And instead, I didn't say anything because I didn't know how to speak about it. I thought about it. And then the next day I circled back with the people and I said, well, this is this is what I believe. And, and I let it be that. I didn't try to change their opinion or change their mind, but it was important to me that I owned my voice and I shared what it was that I believed instead of thinking that I should have done it the day before and I blew it because I didn't, I was able to come back to it. And sometimes I circle back three or four weeks later because I either need to process it, I need to get out of my own shame storm, or maybe I'm not seeing the person and I really want to do it face-to-face versus like a text or an email. So that circling back and that reflective process, doing that over and over, and that, my friend, is how you will change, okay? Make a decision, Commit to the decision, go all in, believe before you achieve, practice every day, practice, commit to the best case scenario and always manage risk. Reflect, circle back and do it all over again. And that is how I've changed. That is how my clients have changed. And that is how you can change. So those are the action steps for you to take. And remember, I'm an ordinary gal, right? Who, when she was 27, thought her life was over. And that was the, that was it. It was just going to be Groundhog's Day again and again and again and again. And every semester was another Groundhog's Day and again. 
but I've been able to create this extraordinary life living in the ordinary. My life is extraordinary. I often say that I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere because there are. Today, there haven't seemed to be, but I'm the same ordinary gal who has changed. And when I started the show back in 2006, I it was because I believed there was a better way. I was so in so much struggle and I needed somebody to start a show to help me. And instead, it was me starting the show to help me. But because I was asked to, because I the people I asked, I said, can you start this? I need this. And they said, well, you should do it. And from that process, I was able to interview hundreds of people over the years. This was back in the day, 2006, there weren't all these podcasts. And I was able to interview researchers, best-selling authors, all kinds of people to figure out, you know, why are some people successful and why are some people not, right? Which is another way to say, how, how do people change? And I was inspired by their stories. And if you go back and listen to the old shows, I have this intro about how this is the windows of possibilities where people fall down and get back up. And if they're there, this is possible for them, then what is possible for you and I? And the show has always been a place about inspiration and possibility meeting so that you can really show up in your life. Because the thing is, all of my guests we're ordinary people too, and they actually still are ordinary. So if it's possible for them, it's possible for us. And over the years, I've changed. And But here's the thing that's what's really happened. It's that what's changed is that not that I became a different person. It's that the person that's underneath all the pain and the armor has finally been able to show up in her life. I get to be me. I get to be free. And you know that song, I hope I'm not making it wrong, but there's that song, Free to Be You and Me. Let's be free together because that's what it is, is that when we take off the armor, the judgment, you know, the self-hatred, the pain, and we allow ourselves to show up, people get to see us. We get to experience us. So let's be free together. You can change. I've changed and you can do it too. I'm so excited for you. Now, if you're listening and this is December just know that come January, I'm going to be opening up the next enough group. We start the end of January, I'm going to be opening up and conducting uh, consults with uh, potential clients who want to be in the group. So if you want to be notified, I invite you to get on the enough waitlist. You can go to how she really does it forward slash enough and sign up, or there will be a link direct link in the show notes and you can get signed up there for the enough group. It's coming in January. I'm so excited. These groups have been awesome because it's a place. It's the structure where you can practice changing with guidance, with compassion, with support and accountability so that you can be enough in your life. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wide awake.